Welcome to the Encouragement Cafe with Luann and Friends, where the conversation is always hot and fresh. Comfort food for your soul is always on the menu, and friends are close enough to hug. Pull up a chair. We've been waiting just for you. Welcome to Encouragement Cafe. I'm Luann Prater. I'm Rachel Olson. And I'm Teresa Mills. And every week we gather around this table and we talk about things that maybe are happening in our lives because we know it's happening in yours too. And I read a statistic that kind of rocked my world. I read that there's one in five people that really struggle. I mean, debilitating struggles with depression. And there are things that are happening in our families, in our jobs, in our friendships, even in our churches that we need to shed some light on and figure out how do we walk through helping someone who's dealing with depression? You know, I teach at a university and uh, across our nation here in America, this is true of every university, um, the instances of students com- coming to the mental health center at the university are um, just on the rise through the roof. Most um, universities don't have enough staff to meet the need for the number of students that are seeking help with anxiety um, and or depression. And, um, you know, uh, universities are having to limit the number of times a student can see a counselor um, at the university just because they are so overwhelmed with the need. So I know it's something that is prevalent in our in our culture, in our society. It probably has been throughout time. But um, I I know right now it is uh, very prevalent and particularly what I see in the the kind of the millennial generation and and below. Oh, yeah. I'm definitely in agreement with you, Rachel, that, you know, my daughter and my son both fit into that um, category. And my daughter, um, just a couple years ago, really went through a very difficult time with depression and She's allowed me to speak about it because she also speaks about it, blogs about it. Um, And it was kind of surprising to our family because we had gone through a lot of, we had gone through a lot of tough, difficult things, including my husband, their father passed away um, when they were very young. She was only nine. My son was 13. And in my mind, I thought depression would have hit then. You know, Uh, I know I, I battled my way through I don't know if it was depression or not, but you're certainly down during that time. Um, but it was a surprise when it manifested the way that it did a couple years ago when she called me and said, hey, mom, I'm going to check myself into a hospital. I keep having these thoughts that I'm afraid of, and I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to fight them. And so that was our beginning battle and the recognition that this whole age group, you know, so many of them fight so many things. And it is overwhelming and some things you can't get away from with social media they're constantly bombarded um but mm-hmm. you know that was my first introduction to some some real in your face what do you do now kind of situation um when it hit our family i i think it's definitely there are 
um, like you mentioned, social media. There are things in our society that are in our kids and our grandkids' lives that were not in our lives. Um, that is, you know, having an effect on them that we don't fully understand yet. Um, but I do know, you know, I lost my mom when I was 17. I was, you know, a bit older than Grace, but I was definitely still too young to lose my mom, I felt. And I went through that okay, I thought. Um, and then about a year later, I just started having debilitating pain in my back. Um, and it took a while to get diagnosed. I was uh, diagnosed with fibromyalgia and uh, told by my doctor that it was the death of my mom that triggered the onset of this, that my grief or, or, or fear or whatever the emotions were that were attached to that were manifesting physically through my body um, because I had not processed them fully at the time. And, and I think that's simply because I didn't know how to. Well, you know, I was one of those young people. I had uh, made some really foolish choices. I can't I can't blame my depression on family or anyone else. When I was 21, I tried to take my life. And I took uh, a whole bottle of pills, and my mom found me. And, you know, looking back, I know that God was absolutely in it because she swept me up and took me to the hospital and pumped my stomach. Mm. and, And I remember... All the people in the hospital that, and it was a, it was St. Anthony's Hospital, and it was full of uh, nuns (laughs) at the time, you know, that was the, in the day, and I remember them gathering around me, and I thought at the time, have I died? (laughs) And all these are angels around me, but it was a different type of angel, and they were saying, honey, don't lose hope, don't lose hope. And I remember going back, I mean, those words stuck with me because I felt at that time in my life that I had let my entire family down. I had made some really crazy choices. And I thought, I can't undo those. The consequences are there. And I don't know how to make it better. But the words that those women spoke to me and said, don't don't lose hope. I want to talk today about how we, as the church, instead of being the church that says, well, bless your heart, honey, you just need to get into the Word and pray a little bit harder, I wonder if we could say, you know what, there is a living hope, and right now maybe you just can't see it. I get that. And, and so maybe the first thing we do as a church instead of condemning, is saying, I want to come alongside you. I want, I want to be there to help find this hope that you need because God didn't create the church to wait for a miracle. He created the church to be the miracle. And so if we can, as a church body, say, all right, I am going to own my responsibility in pointing people to hope. And, and maybe it's helping them find the diagnosis that they need. Maybe it's just being supportive, a, a listening ear. Maybe it's helping them get through it so that they can turn around and find purpose in the pain. Now, I know 
uh, Grace, for example, is now helping other people because she understands what that's like. And, and, and so I think that when we come in as a church and we say, hey, I'm not going to just pat you on the back and say, good luck with that. You're kind of freaking me out, which a lot of my family did when I was 21. They're like, ooh, yeah. you're being a little weird, Luann, which you guys know that's kind of how God created me. But instead of doing that, what if we did something radically different? What if we said, I want to walk through this with you, and, and I don't get where you are right now, but here's what I do know. You've lost hope, and you feel hopeless. So together, let's, let's look for the truth, because every single time we feel hopeless, it's because there are lies involved. So... Maybe there's a lie involved that says, well, I, I, I would be weak if I went to seek medical attention, or I would be weak if I didn't read my Bible enough. Instead of pointing those critical fingers, do you think maybe there's something better we can do as the church? You know, I think it is true that it sometimes makes us feel uncomfortable um, when others are, are experiencing a, a, a heavy, intense emotion like anxiety or panic or depression, I think it can make us feel like we're not equipped to mm. help them with that. We don't know what to say. We're very much afraid of saying the wrong thing. So we shy away or, or we do, as you were just sort of mentioning, you know, it, kind of tell them to spend some time in the word and to pray and to trust God with it. Um, which is not bad advice. It's just um, it, it's just incomplete, I guess, you know, because they very often, I don't know if you've been this way, I've been this way. I have been so worn down by whatever's going on in my life that I don't have the energy to pray about it. Like I can't, I want prayer, I want to seek God's help, but I, it's like I feel like I can't even pray about it. And that's when I turn to my friends, you know, and I'm like, y'all, I need help and I need prayer because I can't even hardly pull myself up enough to pray. I think prayer is the answer uh, or the treatment, um, one treatment at least, but sometimes they need us to, to join in and come alongside and pray with and for and not just tell them that that's the, that's the answer. Does that make sense? Yeah, actually, because I think that that's biblically based. You know, we have this story. Um, I'm pretty sure it was Moses who... He was fighting this battle, and as long as he kept his arms lifted up, they were winning this battle. But the moment that his arms started to drop, they began to lose the battle. And he needed two people to come alongside him on either side, Aaron and her, and lift his arms when he got weary. And I feel like there are times when, especially when we're talking about depression, where you need people to come alongside you and lift your weary arms because we are fighting a battle. The Bible tells us to fight that good fight of faith. So, and we, we're given an armor, you know. I don't feel like God would give us this armor just for like, hey, it'll be cool to sit in the corner there. So it's, we're supposed to, <laughs> to put it on and fight a battle. But uh, Rachel, just like you're saying, sometimes we are so beat down and we are so weary. And for someone suffering from depression they're like I can't even pray and that is where it is our responsibility as the church 
to come alongside them and lift their arms and lift them up and to and pour the love of God and the hope of God in them until they are strong again and can then be able to fight for themselves. And, and I think in that process, we've got to be patient. We have to be loving. We can't be critical and judgmental, but we can continue to speak truth and remind them that they're more powerful than they believe, that they're more valuable than they know. And I believe that when we speak the truth, that we are we are warring for them and with them. And I believe that sometimes that is the only way to break out of the depression that would love to just keep someone enslaved there. I had a girlfriend several years ago who was really struggling with postpartum depression. And she had two beautiful boys and had her her little girl who she was so thankful for. But that little girl came in the midst of the holiday season and she was exhausted from being a young mom with two little boys and now a baby. And she put on the smile as she always did. And she hosted the parties as she always did. But when January came, she was blue. I mean, so blue that she didn't want to tell anyone how she was truly feeling. And she got in a desperate place, a scary place. And I had no idea that that was happening. I had no idea. You would never know it from looking at her from the outside. But in those doldrum winter times when that can happen, I don't know, God, in my quiet time that morning, God just kind of told me to go visit her. I didn't even know why. I didn't know what I was supposed to do. I was just popping in, say hey. And I popped in, and she's holding the baby and crying, and the boys are running around like crazy. And I said, hey, honey. And I walked in, I hugged her, and then I got down on the floor, and I played with the boys for about two hours. And I just was there. I was there. I showed up when God said, go show up. And at that moment, she needed a break. And she told me later, you have no idea the turning point that happened in my life that day. Because I was desperate and I was feeling like I had no hope. And just you coming in and relieving me for a couple of hours with the boys gave me a glimmer. And so sometimes I think that's where we need to start. We need to ask God, Lord, is there somebody I'm walking by every day, someone that seems to be smiling, it seems to be okay, but we, we don't really know what's going on in their life. Is there someone you want me to touch base with and then be there? Be there and point them to the hope, the living hope. Women, as women, we go through certain periods in our life when our hormones just go out of whack. Um, and, and we're very affected by our, our hormones, our, our neurotransmitters and our hormones. And so, you know, through absolutely no fault of our own, through absolutely no lack of faith, 
we can just find our hormones so out of whack that we can't think straight or sleep or stop crying or stop feeling so irritable and on edge. You know, pregnancy is one of those. Um, menopause is another one of those, you know, where we have these massive fluctuations. And for many women, even just, you know, on a monthly basis, they can experience fluctuations that mess with our mental health and um, so I do think it's important to keep that in mind. And to, while I think that um, renewing your mind in the Word and leaning on God is a um, an, a, a treatment, I don't. I always wanted to make sure that I don't make people feel like this. They are ha- this is happening to them because they aren't spiritual enough or because they aren't praying enough. Um, that's not the cause. That's a treatment, <laughs> so to speak. But it's not the cause. I mean, we see that in the book of Job. You know, Job was God's champion. He was, you know, according to the textbook, doing everything right. <laughs> um, and yet he encountered much suffering and, and mental anguish um, because it was a, a, you know, a spiritual battle going on. So there were spiritual answers turning to God, but um, it just doesn't ever help to feel like it's my fault that what's wrong with me, I can't stop crying, I have this new baby, and yet I just want to crawl in my bed. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's probably the first thing that we could say today, um, ladies. Luanna, I love that the responsibility comes to us to say, you know, Lord, who is it that needs to be seen today? Who is it that thinks no one can see them or they're putting on this mask? Mm-hmm. And to do that, I love that. But then I think the freedom in a space like this to say, you know, if you are feeling that way, to recognize that it's not a weakness, it's not something to hide because, I mean, nine times out of 10, there is someone that would love to sit with you, to talk with you, to help you if they just knew. And, you know, in my situation for my daughter, here I am in radio offering hope every single day. And the, the stone between my eyes to hear my daughter say that she was suffering, kind of basically feeling hopeless, it, I, I was stunned. And then she asked me the question, are you embarrassed? Are you ashamed of me? And my heart broke and I was like, no, not at all. Are you kidding me? Kid, I'm going to fight for you with all I've got. I'm going to fight so that you can see for yourself how amazing you are, the hope that is for you. Whatever lies the enemy has tried to bring over your life, I'm going to make sure that God's truth is what you hear more. I'm not ashamed. I'm not embarrassed. Are you kidding? Mama Bear came out like a massive, I'm like, I am fighting for my kid. (laughs) And I feel like there's a lot of people who just feel like they might embarrass someone or someone might be ashamed or they're going to look at you as weaker. No. The truth (laughs) is we have all gone through seasons of our life where we're not on our game, where we are unable to pull ourselves up out of a situation without the help of someone and i know that god is there with us but sometimes god can have clothes on if you just say i need some help and it's okay to say that and help immediately can come and i want you to know that we believe that and there's no reason for you to walk around without saying a word and i know people do but i want to encourage you to have the courage to step out and say, I'm not okay. Okay, so here's what you just said that I want to hone in on. You said we need each other, basically, 
you're saying we need each other. But when you think about it, when Jesus was walking this earth, everybody had Jesus, right? Everybody flocked to Jesus and everybody took all of their paralyzed people to Jesus. But Jesus isn't here. But he left his Holy Spirit inside of us because we are the only face of hope that he has on this earth. We are the only hands of hope that he has on this earth. We are the only feet that he has on this earth to walk into someone's home, to walk into their space, to put our arms around them and show the love of Jesus to them. We're it. And so what we do is we spark hope into that hopeless heart. And we say, look, you're not going to walk through this alone, just like you did, Teresa. You said the mama bear has shown up and I am on the premises Mm -hmm. and I am not leaving (laughs) with a hopeless feeling here. So so we have to understand our role as a community, as a church body. We have to understand that this is our role that God left for us to help people not only get that spark of hope back, but to help them sustain it, you know, to help them walk it out because they're going to have valleys and they're going to have peaks. And when they hit that valley, they need to know that somebody is going to point them to truth. And maybe it's truth about getting the help that they need through a diagnosis that, hey, your chemicals are out of whack. Maybe it's the truth that they need to say, no, those are lies from Satan that he's trying to breathe into you that you messed up so bad, it can never be good again. That's a lie. So let's look at the truth. And so when we walk with that person through those those moments, when they are feeling hopeless again and we just pull the truth out and shine it and say look maybe it's time to go get uh, another checkup maybe it's time for us to revisit God's word to say hey you are loved and and God says I'm never gonna leave you I'm never gonna forsake you and I believe it and you can believe it too so as As the community of believers, as the church body, when we do that, then we say, hey, Punkin, I know that God is going to help you find purpose in the pain that you've been walking through. And maybe the purpose is for you, who's maybe a few steps beyond someone else who's just now going through it, for you to be the shining light, sweetheart. And that's what Grace is doing right now, writing her blog. She's saying, hey, I've been there, and it was dark, and here's what I discovered. And so a lot of times, we don't have to have all the answers. As a matter of fact, God doesn't want us to ever feel like we have all the answers because we don't. But if we have just a few steps ahead of the person that's just now entering into that hopelessness, then we can help them find purpose and remember where they were, and where they are today. Teresa, will you tell us how we can find Grace's blog online? Sure. It's graceforthemission.wordpress.com. I've watched her write. She's a beautiful writer, um, but, you know, then the struggles that she's been through and the wisdom that she's gained has just made her blog um, a beacon of hope for, for people. The bottom line this week is that one out of five are suffering. That means four of us need to look around 
and say, Lord, help me have eyes to see, arms to hug, feet that will walk in and not be afraid. God will give you exactly what you need if you ask. As we are helping someone come out of that deep depression, And may the God of hope give you the courage to encourage others. We'll see you back here next week. Thanks for joining us today at Encouragement Cafe with Luann and Friends, where women gather, friends laugh, and hearts mend. Let's continue our conversation. Hop online when you get a chance to sit down and breathe at encouragementcafe.com. Remember, this is God's ministry, so we ask for your prayers as we reach out to women in Jesus' name. We'll see you back here next week where we fill you up one cup at a time. Luann, I'm so excited about the new Encouragement Cafe website. We've got devotions on there. We've got past radio shows on there you can listen to. We have Bible studies taking place on there. There's so many ways to get a dose of encouragement from the website. So I'm excited to send people to check it out. I am too. And you know, you can always see where we're going to be next. We have events happening all over the country. Check it out. EncouragementCafe.com. Com.